0: Welcome to Footnotes for Faith, where each week we take a few minutes to expand our understanding of the Christian faith, connect Scripture to life, and consider the claims of Jesus. Uh, glad to have you with us today. Uh, my name is Scott Fisher, and I'm the host of Footnotes for Faith and a pastor at Delaware Valley Christian Church in Media, Pennsylvania. I've enjoyed uh, meeting with you each week through these uh, podcasts and I also appreciate getting some feedback from some of you and some questions and comments, and that's greatly encouraging because I really want this to podcast to be interactive in nature and to really touch on the things that you are thinking about and asking questions about. So I really appreciate that that input. And I've gotten a few questions over the last several weeks in response to several of the, the podcasts regarding faith. As we talk, of course, when we talk about Christianity. We're talking about a faith, and we're talking about faith in Christ, faith in the authority of Scripture, as we've been looking at. And so, faith is key to the to the whole to the whole topic. And and that begs the question: What is faith? In other words, how do we define faith? How do we view faith? Faith is one of those terms that many people use and and might use in different ways. And there's definitely different ways and understandings of the term faith. So. I just want to read a couple questions that I got that I would suspect are representative of some of the questions that that you might have as well and that are important to talk about. So this question came from one listener and the question was this, what is faith? What do people think of when they hear faith? How is biblical faith different from blind faith? What is the role of faith, or what is the role, I'm sorry, of reason in faith? Ought we strive for reasonable faith if there is such a thing? Great questions about what is the nature of faith. And then someone else, another listener, wrote this, I am confused, too, as to why we need evidence for faith. Why do people try to prove God exists? If it is a matter of faith, then there is no need for proof. In fact, proof takes away from faith, according to this listener. So... These are several questions that I've received that I, I want to take some time to talk about about faith and how I understand the Bible to teach the nature of faith what is the importance of faith and then how does faith actually function and so I want to take that time today in this podcast to talk about that there's several different directions that we can go with this topic and of course we're not going to be able to cover this exhaustively and as I've said before with this podcast, my goal is to kind of whet your appetite for investigating these questions further and certainly welcome you to ask more questions and ask me specific areas that you'd like to probe into. But in, in the big picture, I just want to do a little bit of an overview and then share some pers- a personal story uh, profile of, of, of myself and someone else that I think will illustrate some of what I'm talking about. So, When we think about faith and we think about, especially related to the question about a reasonable faith and evidence, faith, according to Scripture, is is not a blind faith. I'll say that first of all. Meaning, if by blind faith we mean that it is, as one person humorously said one time, believing what we know really isn't true. (laughs) That's not biblical faith. It's not fairy tales and fantasy and just against all odds, believing what we really deep down in our hearts know can't be true. That's not really biblical faith. Now, I, s- I realize some skeptics see Christian faith or f- faith in God that way, but that's not really the way the Bible portrays it. So it is a substantive faith, and it is a reasonable faith, as I've mentioned before. It's a faith that is based on evidence. And the other um, listener asks, you know, why do some people need evidence? And so I want to address that as well. And so I think the, the biggest way to start this topic is to talk about what theologians differentiate in terms of what's called general revelation, which is what we see in creation, and special revelation, which we see in the giving of the, of the Scriptures, inspiration of the Scriptures, the Bible, specific information about God that's found there, and also in the miracles of Jesus, for example. And so when it comes to general revelation, that is really the, the understanding that creation itself—it tells us this in Psalm 19, for example—that creation itself is evidence for God. In fact, creation itself speaks of the reality of a creator. Now, sometimes you've heard about perhaps the idea of where there is a design evidenced in creation, there is a designer. And so from a scriptural perspective, from a biblical perspective, there there is evidence and it, that evidence is revealed through creation. Romans chapter 1 speaks about that that the natural conclusion to which humans should arrive is that there is a creator and that we can even understand something about his nature through the creation, the power, the the beauty, the the attributes as we look at and look at nature and I believe the the one listener talking about faith as not being needing evidence is is really speaking of that reality, but even that reality that we naturally would see that there is a God is something that God has provided us evidence for. But then there's another kind of revelation, and that's what is often called special revelation. That's more specific, and it's more in areas in which underneath the overall evidence of God's creation, it would have more to do with things that we could not necessarily discern just through looking at creation. There are aspects of God's character, there are aspects of God's will that are not just simply revealed through the external creation. And I should mention as well that in terms of creation, there's also in Romans it talks about our internal moral compass that is also an evidence of God's existence because humanity, no matter where we live in the world has a sense of morality. And so these are all things. But in terms of special revelation, these are things that are have to be revealed to us directly by God. Let me let me share a paragraph that I that I wrote that I think describes this. Denying God exists, denying that God exists is contrary to evidence that is seen through creation, according to Romans 1 18 and following. Denying that God exists is contrary to evidence through the creation, according to Romans 1.18. In terms of, but, and, and on the other hand, so that's general, general revelation. On the other hand, in terms of believing that a Palestinian Jewish man living in an outpost of the Roman Empire is God in human flesh calls for some evidentiary miracles, teachings, etc., The resurrection is the ultimate proof that Jesus is who he said he is. Faith is more than that. In other words, it's more than evidence, for sure, but it is not less than that in terms of being rooted in actual historical reality. If Jesus did not rise, the Christian faith has no foundation, and that is Paul, the Apostle Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 15. And so what I'm saying there is that in terms of general revelation that god exists yes he has left us evidence through creation but in terms of actually understanding what it what it takes to have a relationship with this this god according to scripture that is revealed through scripture and in the person of christ for whom we have evidence that is given to us that we might have confidence that christ is who he said he is and that's the way the new testament is constructed to show forth in the Gospels the life of Christ, the miracles that he performed, and his resurrection as proof of His, the reality of his claim to be the Son of God and the Savior. There's another aspect to, to faith that we find in Scripture, and that is that sometimes we think of faith as an intellectual assent. In other words, there's a sense in which Scripture says faith can be merely intellectual assent in the sense of we can can say we believe something, but it doesn't necessarily change us or necessarily be something that we commit ourselves to. But we say, yes, yes, we believe that. That's intellectual assent. But that, according to the Bible, is not the kind of faith that saves a person. It is not what's called saving faith. It's not—saving faith involves a commitment. So true biblical faith, in its fullest sense, is a commitment to the things that we believe. It involves trust. It involves reliance. And uh, I heard an illustration a number of years ago of that, in which somebody said, "Think of it this way: say you went up to the Niagara Falls, and there was somebody who was a, a tightrope walker and was able to walk across a rope on, on a rope across the Niagara Falls with an empty wheelbarrow." And you watched him go across the Niagara Falls and come back on this rope with an empty wheelbarrow. And then he says to the crowd, how many of you think that I could carry a person across the Niagara Falls in this empty wheelbarrow? And say, let's say a number of people put their hands up and they say, yes, we believe that you could do that. And then he says, okay, who would like to get in the wheelbarrow? So... The difference between intellectual assent is saying, yeah, I, I believe that, that that you could take someone in that wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls, but trust in the biblical sense, that the faith as a commitment in the biblical sense is, is evidenced by the person who's actually willing to get in the wheelbarrow. And that's kind of the difference between intellectual assent, I believe these facts, and actual trust and commitment and so biblical faith in its fullest sense involves this this commitment uh, to uh in, in in the Christian faith to surrendering and accepting and relying on Christ for salvation I wanted to just illustrate the different ways that that people can come to faith in terms of evidence or not evidence or not needing evidence in the in the lives of uh, of myself and my older brother Barrett I have an older brother who's uh, 3 years older than me and I was the first one in in our family to come to faith in Christ. And my spiritual journey from the time I was very very young, I even though I grew up in a non-religious home, I always had a very strong sense of God in my life. I always always had a strong sense of an awareness that I felt that there was a God that the creation around me spoke of that, and I, I couldn't really identify that or verbalize it, or we didn't really live in a family where we talked about God, but I always had a strong sense and a, and a, and a yearning really deep down to, to understand faith and understand how I could know God. I, I wasn't particularly needing much proof beyond what I was seeing in, in the creation, and so when I heard and understood the gospel about Jesus, that special revelation of what Christ had done for me, it was a fairly, from a human perspective, a fairly simple step for me to receive Christ. Now, I I believe that God is in work in all of that, but that was my journey. And then after I came to know Christ, after I accepted Christ into my life, it was then that I began to have more intellectual challenges. I began to encounter skepticism and various different ways that people would understand the Bible, or critics of the Bible, or critics of Christian faith. So it was after that that I began to have to really do some heavy work for myself in terms of what's called apologetics, uh, studying the defenses of the Christian faith, and sort of shoring up my intellectual understanding of Christianity and how to handle some of the objections to Christian faith. So that was my journey. So in in, in that sense, I was— I resonate with the, uh, the the listener who wrote and said, you know, why do we need evidence for faith? Isn't what we see around us enough? And then there's a sense in which that's true. It, it is according to according to what God says. But but that second part of that step of understanding who Jesus is obviously comes through special revelation. But it is true that creation uh, speaks of God, and and for many people that that may be enough. But but with my older brother Barrett, his path was a bit different. And so when I Uh, became a Christian and began to talk to him about Christianity, uh, his particular frame of thinking, and his particular—it could be some of it's just personality and life experience, and, you know, he was quite skeptical of Christianity, and his, his process was much more of investigation before he became a Christian. And so when I began to share about Christ, he would ask me a lot of questions about about the Bible and there were a lot of things I didn't really at that point even know how to respond to but um, but he would ask me a lot of questions about about my faith and and I would attempt to answer them as best I could. I would you know give him books to read uh, that I thought might be helpful and he was willing to read those and um, and ultimately for him for my for my older brother when he was doing his graduate work uh, at, at, the, at a university working for his doctorate, he, uh, began to attend a church in the area and when he first started going to this church he was not a Christian but he was attending a class which was sort of explaining basic Christianity and so he would attend his class on Sunday mornings and he would um, ask you know he would listen and sometimes ask questions and and he was investigating he was questioning he was he was trying to find out about the evidence for to support the claims of Christ and the claims of scripture and and I know that over a period of time he attended that church and then a couple that had befriended him in that church had him over for lunch one day after church and they sort of asked him you know what 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 more is there for us to answer because we kind of sense we've answered a lot of the the basic questions about Christianity and is there anything holding you back and and it was at that time that he realized that really it just became at that point for him a question of of committing his himself to Christ, that he had come to a place where he believed that the evidence that he had seen, the preponderance of the evidence to support the Christian faith and who Jesus was, was strong enough that it really became a matter of his will. And that's where, you know, in a sense it was he he believed that the person could get someone in a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls but he needed to get in the wheelbarrow and so that's where his intellectual ascent had to become a matter of of trust and that's when he trusted Christ and of course that you know brought great joy to to my life and and has brought us we were always very close as brothers uh, emotionally but it brought us very close spiritually and so he and I have shared that um, Christian faith for many years together. But, you know, this is an example of two brothers who grew up in the same type of home, but by nature of their temperaments and personalities and the way that perhaps look at life, the way their brains work, one, my, me, I came kind of more through a, a route of just having a sort of an intuitive sense of God, and my brother came more through the intellectual path of evidence, but either way we both came to Christ. And you may see yourself in one of those two in in one of us. You know, you might see yourself more in more in my own journey or you might see yourself more in my brother's journey. But the point is that there is evidence um, that for those that are needing it more. And so the question of why do we need evidence, well I think on on one level it, it has to do with Sometimes it has to do with our, our, our spiritual blindness, perhaps, or you know, there's a lot of competing truth claims in this world and and it it's important that we can test those truth claims. And so if 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 you're the kind of person that doesn't necessarily need more evidence, that, that's great. And but you might be a person who has a lot of questions, and that is also fine as long as you can pursue the answers to those questions. And so I've mentioned this, uh, there's many good resources out there to help if you're a person that's looking for more evidence, um, or just you want to support your own Christian faith, and that is a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. It's available on Amazon and other places, and it's been updated recently, and it's a it's a really a good basic understanding of the defenses of the Christian faith. All right, well... That's a lot to digest, and uh, in each episode, I try to give us uh, some things to think about and to process. I'd be glad for you to ask me more questions. Hopefully, this has been helpful. Uh, I want to give a little shout out today to the producer of our podcast, and his name is also Scott Fisher. He is our—he is my son, our son Scott Fisher Jr. And uh, he owns a company, uh, Fisher Media incorporated and he is the great producer of this program and i want to give him a, a shout out and so anyway thanks again for listening and if you enjoy footnotes for faith uh, please take a second to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to the show on whether it's apple podcast spotify your feedback helps us reach more people and continue to improve the show And as always, you can email feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes directly to footnotespod at visitdvcc.org. Footnotespod at visitdvcc.org. Thanks again for being with us, and we'll catch you on the next episode.